Hello and welcome. You're listening to Writers Aloud, a podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. Hello and welcome to episode 376 of Writers Aloud. In this episode, the second part of a two-part interview, Catherine O'Flynn speaks with Beth and Roberts about the importance of location, the nebulous nature of a writer's job, and her disastrous experience of renting an office to write in. You can hear the first part of this interview in our preceding episode, number 375. Catherine O'Flynn's debut novel, What Was Lost?, was one of those rare books to create news stories beyond the world of book journalism. Published by Tyndall Street Press in 2007, it won the Costa First Novel Award, was shortlisted for the Guardian First Book Award, and was longlisted for the Booker and the Orange Prizes. Catherine was named Newcomer of the Year at the 2008 British Book Awards. The News Where You Are followed and was shortlisted for the Bollinger Everyman Woodhouse Prize, an Edgar Allan Poe Award, and was chosen for Channel 4's TV Book Club. In 2013, Viking published Catherine's third novel, Mr Lynch's Holiday. Catherine's the editor of a short story collection for Tyndall Street, Roads Ahead, and her own stories and articles have featured in Granta, The New York Times, The Observer, and on BBC Radio 3 and 4. She's also a regular book reviewer for The Guardian. In 2019, Catherine published her first novel for children, Laurie and Max. It was longlisted for the 2020 Branford Bowes Award and the Blue Peter Awards. And the second book in the series, Laurie and Max and the Book Thieves, was published soon after. Prior to the publication of her first novel, Catherine did a variety of jobs, including web editor box office assistant, record shop manager, civil servant, postwoman, teacher and mystery shopper. You must have had to do quite a lot of public engagement with your, especially with your first novel, because that was really, I mean, it was massive, Catherine, wasn't it? It was absolutely massive. And, and it was, it was, you know, a kind of news story. How was that? Was that weird? Was it a joy? Was it a shock? <laughs> it was. It was largely a joy, I'd say. I think it, it was a shock. I mean, it was a. It was. A, it was a big shock. It was a big surprise. It felt like being in some, you know, one of those sort of Hollywood films where someone, you know, just is suddenly a success, and you're like, what the heck? It was just weird, you know, because you're not mm. used to your life suddenly going that way. Mm. Um, and I suppose the only downside was that obviously because. I don't know if it's just the way I was raised, or probably everyone's the same. Is you, you know, just my inner voice was obviously telling me that there was some terrible downside to this that you know this this obviously wasn't going to last but also that there would be some terrible payback for this degree of good fortune so that was a bit tiresome constantly having to say well why don't you try and enjoy it as long as it lasts rather than constantly panicking that you know there's going to be some terrible payback but it was no it was good and it was lovely I mean it was a really good experience just doing so many events I think there was a thing to do I think it was with the Orange Prize where I did a just did loads and loads of libraries quite early on I did loads of library events I think I met you at one of those library events Mm. in fact and um 
And that was great because the audience weren't necessarily particularly interested in your book or in you, obviously. You were just, and so that, I don't know, it was, I really enjoyed doing that. You know, there's sort of lots of really enjoyable sort of encounters and yeah. could just sort of work out what it was you wanted to say about the book and what it was that people, you know, engaged with. Yeah, I think that what people engage with about your writing is that it is, it's genuinely funny and sad, which I think is like that really sweet spot you know for fiction and it's something that I just I I love about your writing and I'm wondering is that something you're you're probably not conscious of that at all and you don't sit down and think oh I want to be genuinely funny and sad (laughs) but you know is that a reflection of the kind of stuff that you like to read or is Mm. that something that you think actually that is that is what fiction should be yeah, that's a good point. I think, I mean, I do, I like, I enjoy fictions like that. I, I don't think, you know, fiction has to be like that. I think naturally, I just think it, it, it's weird if there's no humour, obviously. People say, I don't like funny, because I think obviously it's just a natural part of life, isn't it? So I think for me, it was just um, a lot of the authors I liked, yeah, I guess, kind of mixed. You know, an author I loved when I was young was Kurt Vonnegut and he really mixes that kind of humour and darkness and that always sort of chimed with me a lot. Um, But I think it's also just a kind of, you know, a familial thing. You know, my my mum was and my dad, they're both, you know, sort of very funny but also be very sort of... My mum could be, you know, insanely gloomy, kind of comically (laughs) gloomy, really. And so it was always that, that mixture of... It was it was always there really so it, it, it as you say it's not something I'm really conscious of it's just the way I always find things I find things that I shouldn't find sad sad and things that I shouldn't find funny funny really so they kind of all get mixed up <laughs> that's a great gift I think <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm wondering as well about about work and whether you want mm. to talk a bit about employment in your Mm. in your novels because that's the other thing I really like about your work is that you you pay proper attention to people's jobs which actually is quite rare in in you know so-called serious novels yeah (laughs) Lisa's manager of your music and what was lost and Dermot's a bus driver and Miss Lynch's holiday and those things are actually you know very important for the books yeah yeah and I wondered if you wanted to talk a bit about why you feel that's important for writers to explore characters jobs I mean, I find it really interesting. I find I find people's jobs really interesting. I think it's such a massive part of everyone's lives. And yet, you know, I know it's kind of an obvious thing to say, but people talk so little about it. You know, we've all got family members, I think, when someone says, oh, you know, what does, you know, you... you brother do whatever you like I don't know something with computer you know you often have no idea really because it's for some reason people don't talk in great detail about their jobs but I I kind of like it I'm really interested in in work and I'm there are places where you know most of our sort of conflicts and friendships come from and so to me they're real places of interesting content and I don't know I think I'm I have quite a weird weird attitude to work in that whilst as I mentioned when I was earlier, I was kind of thinking, oh, I, I don't want a job that's going to take over my life or, or whatever. But at the same time now, when I'm ostensibly a writer, I kind of constantly feel weird or guilty that this isn't this isn't a job. You know, I, all my friends are working hard and I'm just faffing about and I'll constantly be kind of thinking I should, like, I, 
I was posty for the last three months, whatever. I went back to being a posty for a while because I thought I need a proper job. I need to be doing something. So I have a kind of very a quite weird relationship with with work. I think. Um, I'd, so I'd, I'd, I don't. Hang on, hang on. So so you went back to being a posty recently? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah. And was that because you needed money or because you wanted to do it? A bit of both really I mean and actually it's a really weird thing so I I ended up having to give it up when the latest lockdown started because I had to go back to doing homeschooling and all that business but um, I did it yeah for about three months and it was so strange because it basically I just bumped into someone I used to work with years and years ago and I was posting and he said oh they're you know they're always looking for people with desperate whatever (laughs) and I thought oh actually that that could be great even though I'd had no desire to do it for years and within about 24 hours I found myself back with a job and weirdly I was really happy doing it I mean it's kind of I mean you know I know sort of from the outside being a postie seems kind of great but actually there's loads of things about it's really crappy particularly if you're a casual because you're just given random walks every day and there's quite a lot of conflict in the office and it was time of like high covid so it was all a bit on on the surface of it 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 was kind of not a great job at all the boss was really shouting (laughs) and I was spoken to in ways I hadn't been spoken to for years it was really strange but I loved it and I'd come home every day and I'd think oh I felt that I'd sort of a done something purposeful and b you know because as a writer i spend 90 percent of my time thinking am i making the best use of my time is this what i should be doing should i be thinking about this or, whereas there you know that was kind of all decided for me so mm-hmm. i loved it mm-hmm. and so when i had to give it up i was kind of really sad but since then every day i think god thank god i'm not doing that <laughs> it's really weird. it was like some weird madness that descended on me because it was really grueling terrible weather and stuff so i don't know i i have slightly a slightly bonkers attitude towards work i think <laughs> <laughs> um, i'm sure that's a very illuminating story in any way i don't i, I can't well, understand what it is yeah i mean do you feel like now it's, it's almost like you have to go and t- make contact with that part of you again in order to give yourself permission to go and spend <laughs> loads of time in your room thinking you know or something like that I, don't I think know. I think it's more that I mean I hate I obviously I don't want to be someone who's like vampiric towards mm. work it's not so much that I think oh I need material or anything like that but it's mm. more that I feel that I need something else to think about some other interaction with the world other than this sort of nebula I find you know I, because I suppose because I didn't do writing for a long time I didn't really start it till my 30s you know I, I've had a conversation with a writer where they'll sort of say but this is what I've always done this is natural to me whereas to me I kind of miss contact with other people and miss I don't know that sense of purposefulness so I yeah. think sometimes it just gives you that sense of direction and stops you sort of you know, endlessly dithering. That's why. <laughs> that's why I feel that my my writing life is after me endlessly dithering. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that is that is <laughs> what what writing is a lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm interested though in that. It, I'm gonna. This is annoying, really, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna quote you your, yourself if that makes right. sense. Yeah. And I've I've read that you've described writing as according my life the respect it deserves, mm. and I wondered if you could explain that a bit because it it, I think that's I think that's really interesting yeah I think 
that when I'm not writing, which is quite a lot of the time, I feel that I'm not really paying attention to things properly, that I'm just being lazy. You know, that when I mentioned earlier about sort of writing notes and things in the past, it was, was this thing like, oh, that's, that's something really interesting. Just there, that thing that I saw today or that conversation I heard is really interesting. I'm going to write it down and maybe I'll, it will help me think about it or work out what it is that's interesting about it or maybe I'll come back to it at some future point and explore that a bit. So when I'm not really writing, I just have this guilt that I'm just being really lazy and I'm not, I'm just, you know, gliding along life surface and I'm not really engaging with it properly. And whilst that's kind of, I'm perfectly able to do that for long periods of time and, you know, will actively kind of try and flee writing (laughs) because it's, because it is a little bit hard, you know, and it requires that effort to actually think, well, what was it about that that got to me or was interesting? Yeah. So it feels like I'm kind of uh, shirking my duties when I'm not, I'm not writing, even not necessarily writing a novel, but just not writing anything really, you know, just not really kind of thinking about things properly. Yeah. So it's about noticing and yeah. Yeah. Honouring it in some way. Yeah, exactly. I also read once that you rented an office to write in, (laughs) and I'm wondering what was behind that and how it went. Oh, God. (laughs) It was so terrible. (laughs) Yeah, what was behind it was, I think it was after my first daughter was born, and um, so my husband was kind of, it was like being sort of stay-at-home parent mainly but obviously I was at home as well writing and that was hard because you know as I'm sure you know most people have had that situation where you know your child's just banging on the door saying they want you not the other parent and um, I just thought it was it was difficult for everyone it was difficult for her and it was very difficult for me to write in those circumstances so I thought I need to be at the house so I'll go and get an office and I found uh, it needed to be somewhere really cheap, obviously, because, you know, you don't want to be spending lots of money. And I, I found somewhere incredibly cheap on this quite weird little industrial unit thing, a kind of old ramshackle place that had loads of little units in. And I had a tiny room. It was about sort of five foot square. And um, I thought that would be great. But unfortunately, this coincided with, I'm never quite sure whether it was the office that was disastrous or it was it was the same time when I decided I was kind of, go and try and get my writing process in shape and I decided I was going to write my novel in order and so I kept as I mentioned earlier just kept rewriting the same chapter over and over again and uh, I was in this five foot box that had really really thin walls (laughs) and the guy in the next office was just on the phone all day and that could have been interesting, but he wasn't speaking English, so I never understood what he was saying, which was maddening. And he was really, really passionate. He'd be shouting. And I was like, what the hell is he doing? It would drive me insane, mm-hmm. um, what he was talking about. And then I really noticed how often he went to the loo because <laughs> the toilet was the other side of my office. And I just went a bit nuts. You know, it was very Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I'd just be sitting there writing the same chapter for the 27th time, listening to this guy thinking, oh, going to the toilet again there we go (laughs) and like noting the way he breathed and things because the walls were really thin and it was terrible basically I mean I think in retrospect it was much more to do with the whole me attempting to fix my process was the issue rather than the office had I been writing normally I probably wouldn't have noticed anything about it but yeah it did it didn't work for me at all (laughs) and uh yeah so So. was it a kind of I'm gonna try and be more professional in every way and, yeah. and somehow that's not really what, what you needed to do, maybe. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you, you, you've you absolutely nailed it there. I think it probably was part of my sense of, like, 
you know, some sort of guilt that it wasn't a proper job. And if I was going somewhere each morning and coming back in the evening, that would feel more like a proper job. I think there was an element of that as well and wanting it to be a bit more, you know, formalised in some way. But it was all misguided. (laughs) So did you get over the problem of the child knocking on the door? Uh, Yeah, eventually. Well, I think um, we sort of moved to a bigger house so I could separate myself a bit more. And then obviously she started nursery and life gradually becomes a a lot more manageable, doesn't it? If you're working at home, once your child starts nursery or school, things become a whole lot easier. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Can we talk quickly about location? Because mm. it seems to me that, you know, location is a really strong element in your work, whether it's shopping malls or abandoned, unfinished housing estates. And, you know, and they're quite unusual locations. You know, your books are definitely not let's escape to the country kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. books, which is what I really like about them. And yeah. I'm wondering if stories for you kind of, begin with place almost or or is it that yeah. there's something that draws you to a particular place that you could talk about yeah they they do seem to really start with place certainly my you know the novels for grown-ups do the, the novels for children start more with the idea for a story but that yeah all my grown-up novels started first with something about a place and I think I've I don't know I've always been really interested in that and I think I've always had this overdeveloped kind of wistfulness and nostalgia for kind of places vanishing where I lived when I was growing up it was changing a lot the whole time I was living there I was changing you know it was a very industrial area and lots of factories were being demolished and the gas works were being demolished and so things would change and go and then there'd be these abandoned areas which I kind of found really I don't know even as a child I found them very haunting and beautiful and I liked going and hanging out there and so I think that just stayed with me and I'm always really yeah it's always um even if in the novel in the end it kind of gets buried a little bit it, it's always a place that will have started off the process with I just get really hooked on something on the idea of it yeah I, you know I think it's partly as well you know growing up in Birmingham in general because it's it's a city that's so insanely unsentimental about its past and is constantly reinventing itself that you can't but help be some kind of you know nostalgic you know you know if you've only lived here for about two years you'll still be nostalgic because so much of it will have gone so yeah I think I think that and the fact combination of Birmingham specifically the bit of Birmingham I grew up in and also like my parents being displaced from Ireland and them talking about places in Ireland in that very wistful and you know like I said my mum was comically gloomy a lot of the time Mm. I I just kind of infused all that in me a bit I think Mm. yeah and you know maybe part of that that honoring thing that we were talking about you know according things that the respect they deserve I kind of get a bit of that from your the way that you write about about location I just want to end by saying to you that that your writery has won loads of awards and you've gained loads of positive attention for your work but from from our conversation today <laughs> my guess is that you don't feel like a successful writer is that true <laughs> yeah i'd say that yeah <laughs> i'd say that i don't i mean i suppose i feel oh, i don't know on the one hand i think i had a lot of good fortune and a lot of you know i just I've, I've been really lucky unfortunately in my career but i think um 
I don't really feel I, I often still struggle with the idea of you know am I a proper writer I'm, I'm not writing all the time I, I you know whenever people whenever you read those things about tips what what writers should do and what they shouldn't do I always think oh god I don't really feel any of those things <laughs> and so it's not so much I don't know, it's not like really imposter syndrome it's more just that I I feel quite self-conscious about it all the time and, and I'm not at all sure that, that, I don't know, I don't, it's kind of hard to articulate, but yeah, it's, um, I don't, I don't go around thinking, wow, I'm a big successful writer, certainly. But you do call yourself a writer now, don't you? Because I think there was a time where you introduced yourself as the teacher. even though your first novel had been published or just about to be published yeah yeah no I tend not to actually I tend to still not say I'm a writer um because I just think you sound deluded because they inevitably people (laughs) because people inevitably say they always say that really weird thing like well will I have read anything of yours which I find really maddening because I don't bloody know but probably not you know (laughs) and so either I'm going to say something really hostile to them like that or um I just think well the chances are you you haven't and then it's embarrassing because then you almost have to pitch your work to them you know it's like well what have you written and what do you write about it's like well I write I just can't stand all that I just think it's easier just to say you know to make something up or just don't say I do anything or be a bit you know mysterious about what I do because it's kind of um it's just a whole world of pain and embarrassment if you say you're a writer (laughs) (laughs) a world of pain and embarrassment yeah I think that's a good place to end Um, thank you so much Catherine for talking to me it's been a real pleasure totally fascinating thank you that was Catherine O'Flynn in conversation with Bethan Roberts you can find out more about Catherine on her website at www.catherineoflynn.com And that concludes episode 376, which was recorded by Bethan Roberts and produced by Kona McPhee. Coming up in episode 377, Lucy Jago speaks with Julia Copas about her significant three little things. We hope you'll join us. You've been listening to Writers Aloud, a podcast brought to you by writers for the Royal Literary Fund in London. To subscribe to podcasts and to find out more about the work of the RLF, please visit our website at www.rlf.org.uk. Thanks for listening.